Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So Pastor Chris and I were talking for the last several weeks, and he said, hey, I had this idea for a series, and it would be called Unstuck. And so we started discussing some different things. I thought, man, that could be a really cool thing to do. And so I'm excited to start this. But when I thought of this idea of unstuck, I went to the dictionary because I wanted to see what the definition of unstuck was. Now, I have a definition for you. We're not going to put it on the screen yet because when I first went to the dictionary, here was the definition of unstuck. The past or past participle of unstick. Okay. So I thought, well, I'll look up unstick. Here's the definition for unstick. The past or past participle of unstuck. I'm like, man, we are just going in circles right now. But isn't it beautiful that with that little, that little click wheel, you can scroll down. So I scrolled down a few lines, and guess what? There was the definition. This is the definition of unstuck. It's to become separated or unfastened become separated or unfastened. I want to talk about this over the next several weeks in different areas or facets of our life. There's areas that we can all become stuck in. And today I want to talk about this, unstuck in my faith. Unstuck in my faith. We could even say unstuck in my trust. How many know faith and trust go hand in hand? If you don't trust somebody, then you're not going to believe what they say. Have you ever had that person in your life that maybe they just broke too many promises and when they say something, you just didn't trust them anymore? Let me say this. God is not a promise breaker. Now, several years ago, there was this movement called Promise Keepers. How many remember that? And it was great. It It was a great time for people. But, you know, I got this revelation several years ago that God isn't looking for promise keepers because he's the promise keeper. Because see, what happens is when we put that on ourselves, I got to keep promises, I got to keep promises, I got to keep promises. Guess what? You're going to fail at some point. And what happens when you fail? When you've tried and tried and tried? Condemnation, guilt, shame. And how many know your father doesn't want you to go through that? But God wants you to know this, that he is a promise keeper. doesn't mean that we can't strive to be someone who keeps promises, But sometimes, we talked about it last week, we make these lists for ourselves, and we we try to go by a list, and I think that what God's looking for is a relationship, where he lives through us, we live in him. If you get a chance to hear last week, we talked out of John 15, the vine and the branches, and really broke down some things in there, but there's something about a vine. It's hard to tell where a vine and a branch start and stop. And so what Jesus is trying to say is that, listen, I am in union with you. You are in union with me. So allow me to help you live life. I mean, have you ever had a season or this feeling like you were doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? Now, I'm not talking necessarily about things that we need to do every day that need to be done. I mean, how many know you need to wake up at some point? I was going to say you need to wake up in the morning, but some of the, well, I'm third shift. Okay, well, you need to wake up at night. But at some point, you need to wake up. How many know we need to eat? Some of us a little less, but we need to eat, right? It's important. How many know we need to take care of our children? Nobody here. How many have children? You need to take care of them if you, if you learn nothing else today. It's, it's okay. You can respond if you want. But we have children we need to take care of. Uh, We have a spouse possibly we need to take care of. Uh, We need to go to a job. There's things that we need to do, and I get that. And sometimes those can feel like, you know, we're in a rut. But I'm talking more about 
when we go through times of feeling dry or, or maybe feeling like we're in a rut. And you know, depending on your personality, if you're familiar at all with the personality types, you may feel it sooner than later. Some people kind of like, don't see it, don't see it, don't see it. And finally they do. Others are like, okay, I'm in a rut. So all of us are on this different journey, right? I talk about this a lot, is that we're all on a journey. And, and the beauty of this journey is that God is with us wherever we are in the journey. He promised to never leave us and never forsake us. But sometimes in this journey, I think we fall into ruts on the path. Pastor Chris was telling me this story about this 25-year-old man who lived in China. He was walking along a river in China. He literally sunk into the mud waist deep. Now, that'd be kind of freaky, wouldn't it? So he sunk waist deep. Now, he had a cell phone on him, but he was too embarrassed because of his predicament to even call anyone. So he tried for four hours to get himself out of the mud. Now, the first 10 or 15 minutes, I think I would have been like, okay, I can't do this on my own. But he stuck for four hours. After about four hours, I think something clicked. He went, I don't think I'm getting out of here. In fact, the, the situation was worse. So then he sees some fishermen in the lake. He says, hey, I'm stuck. So they call help and the help comes, they arrive. It took them seven additional hours to get this man out of the mud. Now, one reason that it took for so long was, first of all, he was extremely embarrassed. But what these, these firefighters and rescue workers found was the only way that they could actually get in the mud without getting stuck was to strip down to their underwear. Because what would happen is the clothing would get weighed down and then suction in and then you couldn't move. So this man, of course, had fallen in the lake and he was in his full trousers or pants. And so they told him, he said, sir, we need you to unbutton your pants so when we pull you, we can pull you out of your pants out of the mud. And he said, no, <laughs> because he was embarrassed. He was embarrassed of maybe being exposed. And so this caused him to be in there 11 hours stuck in mud. Isn't that crazy? That's something to tell his grandchildren about. Amen. But I, I believe that he, he was embarrassed, first of all, but then he was like, wait, wait, unbutton my pants, and because and, I'm sure at this point there was a bunch of people watching, and he's like, I'm like, dude, do you want to get out or not? It's just your underwear, whatever. Hopefully they're boxers, and they're not, you know what I'm saying, but hopefully they're boxers, because the thing is, you want to get out of the mud. But I think he was afraid of being exposed or feeling vulnerable. I believe that many times we stay stuck in areas of our life because we are too embarrassed to ask for help. Now, without a show of hands, have you ever been there? You know, you need help in life, and you're like, I can do this on my own. I'm going to stay in the mud for 11 hours because I can do this on my own. Another fear we may have is we're embarrassed to be exposed. You know, it's a big thing in my life when there were areas that I was dealing with, even with addiction, I didn't want to tell anyone because I was afraid that I would be exposed and maybe they would point their finger at me or look down their nose at me. But let me tell you something. Everyone has their stuff. Everyone. Aren't you glad that we don't have video cameras that just follow us around every day? Because people will go, oh my gosh, I didn't know they talked like that outside of church. I didn't know they acted like that with their kids. I didn't know they viewed that stuff on the internet, right? I mean, I'm just being honest. But we all have stuff. But the only way that we can deal with stuff is if we say we need help. 
And so just like this man stuck in the mud, I think sometimes we have this fear of being vulnerable or being exposed. We're embarrassed because we're going through stuff. But let me say it again. Every single one of us is going through something. We all have something that if someone else knew, we would be mortified. But let me say something. This is where the spirit of grace comes in. See, we need to find friendships and relationships with people who truly have our best interest in mind. To the point that when we say, listen, I've got to be honest with you. There's something I've been going through. There's an addiction I'm dealing with, and I need someone to know about it because I need help. When that person tells us, we need to be gracious toward them. Because guess what? You got something too. Does this make sense? And so we don't expose people to bring shame or embarrass them. Even if you're a friend and you see something in someone's life, The motivation should be love, and out of love we say, listen, brother, listen, sister, I see this in your life, and it's destroying your marriage, you're going to lose your job, it's destroying your relationship with your children, it's destroying your life. And because I love you, I want to say this, not to embarrass you, not to expose you, not to bring shame, but to bring healing and restoration, and I believe that's what the Father wants to do with us. So when we're in these situations, what do we do? Well, number one, Admit that you are stuck. I know it seems really simple, but the first thing that we do is we have to admit that we're stuck. And I believe this. I believe that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is drawn to humility. Now, now I know if, if you've grown up in church or you spend any time in church, I believe sometimes that we've taken this word humility or uh, being humble, if you will, and we made it into some negative idea of like, groveling and you're on your knees and you're less than someone else but that's not the truth to be humble or to have humility is simply to realize you can't do this on your own and admit that you need help you see the difference because we can say things like brother you need to humble yourself it's like (laughs) i do (laughs) But see, what that person means is something different than what humility and being humble really means. Being humble is simply saying, I need help. It's admitting that we're stuck. Because all of us are stuck in areas of our life. James tells us this. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will he do? He will lift you up. Now, if we're built like him and his likeness and image, if someone humbles himself, in other words, they say, I need to be honest with you. I need to come clean. I need to admit that I have an area. Should we put them down or lift them up? Because that's what our father does. Aren't you glad James didn't say, humble yourselves on the sight of the Lord, admit your stuff, and the Lord will count you really good. No, it says he will lift you up. See, here's what I see in this is that grace is able to flow to the humble. Did you catch that? Grace is able to flow to the humble. How many know the scriptures tell us that his grace is sufficient? See, I believe that humility opens the floodgates of grace. Now listen, grace has always been there. I want us to see this. When we humble ourselves, it doesn't magically make grace be there. Grace in that relationship has always, always, always been there. But when we come to a point where we admit that we need help, it opens us up to his grace. And let me add this, even to the grace of others. 
See, I think what happens is the enemy of our soul, whether that be us or an outside source, many times it will lie to us and say, if you tell people, if you admit that you're stuck, you know what they're going to think about you, right? Now, let's be honest. Some people might feel really good about this. Have you ever in your life, or let's just say that other person, have you met that other person that when someone stumbles and fails, they have a little bit of satisfaction in it? That's because they themselves are struggling and they just won't admit it. But see, when we can admit that we're stuck, that we have an issue in life, guess what happens? It opens up, opens us up to the grace that's already available. And that's what we need. Not just the grace from our Heavenly Father, but the grace from others. That's why I say friendships are important, but it's important how we structure friendships, right? We don't want to just tell all our stuff to everyone. Like Facebook is not a good place to tell all your stuff. Social media in general is not a good place to tell all your stuff, right? But we have to find friends who we trust them. See, here comes back to this trust thing again, right? Unstuck in our faith, unstuck in our trust. I want us this morning to get unstuck in this kind of intro to the Unstuck series, unstuck in our faith. Now, again, this isn't about having faith in your faith. It got really weird some years ago in that. First of all, faith is a gift. Say that. Faith is a gift. So it's a gift given by God, and then we can stir up that gift that's within us of faith. But what we're doing is we're just stirring up trust, first of all, in our Father. I trust your Father with my stuff. I mean, he already knows anyway. There's something about when we open. Have you ever had a child that you knew that they were up to something or something had happened at school, and you were just waiting for them to open up on their own without you pulling it out of them? It's nothing worse than, like, trying to drag and pull the truth out of a kid, right? You've been there? It's frustrating. But see, when they open up freely and say, listen, I messed up, I'm struggling, I have this issue. See, now, this is why it's important, because now they've opened that door so now they can receive grace. See, grace can't force, love can't force. Is this making sense? And so I want us to see this, that it's not wrong to admit when we're stuck. We have to do this. But we do have to surround ourselves with friends we can trust. And if you don't have a friend you can trust, guess what? There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. So sometimes we just need to voice it. I've got stuff in my life. I'm dealing with these things. I need help. The mere translation says it like this. Put down your own efforts to fight for your rights. I love that. Let him lift you up to the dignity of his presence. Now, now I want us to see something here because a lot of times when we say humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, we have this idea that it's, again, groveling or, God, you're so superior. Yeah, of course he is. My kids know that I'm superior to them in many, many things, right? I've lived 20, 30, 40 more years than them, so they understand that they get that. But when they humble themselves, I never want them to grovel and feel like they're a worm and they're not worthy. That would, that would break my heart. You ever had your child, they're trying to do something and put something together and they're getting frustrated and you're like, hey, hey baby, can I help you with that? And they're like, no, I'm going to do it myself. That's not very fulfilling, is it? But what happens when they say, daddy, mommy, I need help. Immediately you're like, yes, so fulfilling. Do you know your heavenly father's like this? Wait, uh, <laughs> That was awesome. I hope, that, I hope that's on the recording. <laughs> Hello. 
which by the way, I love all the bird sounds. Don't you love spring, how green it is? Yeah, it has nothing to do with the message. So back to the Heavenly Father. You know, he created all that for your pleasure. Yeah, it's good stuff. Think about that. When you go to your father and you admit, I need help, he gets this fulfillment. I'd love to help you, son. I'd love to help you, daughter. But look at this. It says, put down your own efforts. See, a lot of times we try to do things in our own efforts. He says, let him lift you up to the dignity of his presence. Now, this word presence in the original Greek is the word enopian, and it means this, in the gaze of or face to face. Now, it's funny. You could just Google images, and you could find this image every day, and we've all done it with our own children. You ever reach down and you grab your child? I'm trying to get, not to get emotional. You reach down and you grab your child, and you lift them up, and you gaze into their face. It's beautiful, Right? Can we imagine when we humble ourselves and we say, Daddy, God, I'm having issues right now. I need to admit that I'm stuck. I want you to picture this. He reaches down and he lifts you up. He raises you up so you're face to face. Face to face. Why? So you can see your own face in his reflection. Because you were made in his image and his likeness. Do you see this? This is the love the Father has for us. That's why when we're stuck in areas, we can't be embarrassed. We shouldn't be embarrassed. We don't have to feel shame. We don't have to feel fear of being exposed because daddy picks us up. He lifts us up when we're humble because he can. If you're not humble, you're not there. You're not present. You're running the other way. But when we're humble, we're there and he's able to pick us up, lift us up. And gaze face to face. And he says, see that reflection? Do you see me? That's who you are. And it changes everything. Isn't that powerful? Reminds me of a story where this man brings his son to Jesus. And this son is having all these issues. It's in the gospel of Mark. And they believe he has tormenting spirits. And he says, Jesus, I need your help. My son is struggling. And it actually says that when they brought the son before Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground. He wallowed around. He was foaming at the mouth. Can you imagine this sight? And so Jesus looks at the father and he says, how long has this been going on? And the father said, since childhood. And he goes on to explain that there's even times where the son will convulse in such a way that he'll be, he'll be thrown or fall into fire or into water to be burned or to be drowned. And so can you imagine the, the father's just looking for some way to heal his child? He says, but if you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us and get this and help us. We need your help. And I love what Jesus says. He says, all things are possible to him who believes. And it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, look at this, Lord, I believe Help me with my unbelief. You know what Jesus does? He heals the child. This speaks volumes to me. Because there were times in my life growing up where I had this idea that, okay, I'm almost there. If I can just get rid of the last bit of unbelief. Maybe what God's looking for is a spirit of humility because it opens us up to his grace. We say, Lord, 
I believe you can help me in this situation. I know you have the power to do it. I know you have the desire to do it, but help me with my unbelief. That's another thing we made into a dirty word. Oh, you don't believe? That's why you don't get it, because you didn't believe hard enough. But look at, look at the humility here. He says, I believe, Lord. I know you can do it, but help me with my unbelief. I love that the man here is able to admit that he's stuck. Here's a son going through issues, but he's even admitting that I'm stuck. I believe, but, but there's unbelief. Will you help me with my unbelief? What I'm seeing in my present circumstances seems more powerful than your solution for me. In other words, I can't see the answer because the problem is speaking so much louder. You ever been there? Like you're going through something in life and you know you're stuck, but that issue in your life or those circumstances that are coming at you from all sides, they're speaking so loud that you feel like you can't even focus on the truth. You can't even hear the truth. See, first of all, we need to admit that we're stuck, but secondly, number two, we need to be open to the voice of Holy Spirit. I was talking to a lady just this morning about this. She had made a comment about something I had said last week, and so I've explained it a little bit further. But we were talking about, you know, the Bible and the authority of the Bible versus the authority of the Word of God, Jesus. We were talking about the early church for hundreds of years, they had no New Testament. So how did they serve God? They didn't have a Bible. I mean, they had the Old Testament, which was a foreshadow of who Jesus was. But, but the truth is they had the Holy Spirit. And they had the apostles who were commissioned by God who were writing letters to them as they received revelation. Because let me tell you something, this was a brand new way to live. These were either Jews who all they knew was old covenant or Greeks who all they knew was their pagan religions. And so they were all trying to find this place of what does it mean to be a believer in Jesus, a believer in the way. Do you follow me? And so it's important that, that we don't make Christianity, we don't make, let me put it this way, we don't make the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know for some of us, maybe we grew up in a church where you know, we, didn't, we didn't necessarily believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We thought they had passed away. Let me say, it's not passed away. But let me say this, it's, it's not weird either. It should be natural. And so we do hear the voice of the Spirit. I, I remember, uh, uh, man, there's so many stories. I could be here for two hours and explain. But one time, I was pulling off the expressway. I was going to let me see my dad at his office. And as I pulled off the expressway, there was a stop sign for this exit. They put a light there now. But there was a stop sign at the exit there. And so I did my normal stop, looked both ways. It was kind of hard to see around this overpass. And I lifted my foot off the brake and I went to press the gas pedal and something just in me said, stop. I mean, it was just that quick. And I was like, that was weird. And I stopped and I looked across and I, I saw there was another guy at the sign there. Literally within two seconds of me not pressing the gas and stopping, this semi flew by going 50, 60 miles an hour, blew right through the sign. Now, if I had pressed gas, I would not be here this morning speaking to you. There, there's no way. So... I pulled my foot off. I was going to hit the gas, put it back on the brake. One, two, it goes by that fast. And I was like, like it took me by surprise. I went, what just, what just, and I looked across and the guy who was at the other stop sign, he looked at me and he like, he like leaned into the window and shook his head like, oh my gosh, like he knew, he just saw what had happened. I've had so many situations like that. 
I believe that was the Holy Spirit. I believe that was divine. That believe, believe that was God speaking to me. I believe that God speaks to us. But sometimes we have so many circumstances and things around us and they're so loud that we can't hear. But we need to be open to the voice of the Spirit. It reminds me of the story of the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings. There was this, this showdown that was happening and there were the prophets of Baal. Some people say Baal, but it's actually pronounced Baal. And the prophets of Asherah. And so there was these two gods that they served. And there were like 850 priests present. And so you have these 850 priests for Baal and Asherah. And then you have this one prophet of Yahweh, Elijah. And so there's a showdown. And Elijah says, I'll tell you what, we'll do a test right now to see whose God is real. He says, you call fire down upon your altar, prepare a sacrifice, call fire down, and if you can call fire down, then your God's true. Elijah says, and then I'll do the same. So these 850 priests, they're dancing around the altar, they're cutting themselves, they're crying out, and there's no response. In fact, Elijah says at one point, if you translate from Hebrew to English, he actually at one point says, where's your God? Is he on the toilet? I mean, he was kind of taunting them a little bit. Not saying he should have done that. I don't think that was very gracious. So he says, where's your God? Is he on the toilet? And they could not get the fire to come down. So Elijah, he looks up, he says, basically my paraphrase, God, let's prove that you're the real true God. Well, guess what? Fire comes down. Not only does it consume the sacrifice, he made it, he put the stakes higher. He hadn't dumped buckets of water over it. Well, it comes down, incinerates everything. And the people go, Yahweh is the true God. Now, from there, it gets really sketchy because it doesn't say in here that God told him to, but Elijah decided to take some ideas into his own hands and he took those 850 priests and he slaughtered them. Now, we can differ on opinions, but I don't think God told him to do that because Jesus said to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. So I believe that sometimes, how many know that all of us can act out of character of who we are? I believe Elijah did. And guess what? It hunted him down. It haunted him. Because King Ahab, the, the king of Israel at the time, he goes to his wife Jezebel, who was a pagan princess. I think she was a Phoenician princess who he married. And she brings actually these priests of Baal and they begin to worship Baal. King Ahab comes to her and explains everything that happened, all the priests that were killed. And this is what she says. May the God strike me dead if by this time tomorrow I don't take your life the way you took the lives of Baal's prophets. Talking to Elijah. This is the message he got. So he flees. He runs away. And it says that, you know, as he's going along, he's tired, he's hungry. It says ministering angels came to him and they fed him. And, they, and then he gets up and he goes, get this. He travels for another 40 days in the wilderness. What is up with the 40 in the wilderness thing in the Bible, right? 40 years, the children of Israel in the wilderness. 40 days, Elijah. How many days did Jesus spend in the wilderness? 40 days. It's just amazing, isn't it? Just a side note. But he ends up in this cave. And as he's sitting in this cave, the Lord tells him this, starting in verse 11 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings. He said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, this is what happens. He's sitting there, he's watching. It says, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Say, wow. But look at this. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. I want us to catch this. And after the earthquake, a fire. Fire, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, I want you to catch this, a still, small voice. Now, is this not poetic? I love Hebrew literature and Hebrew poetry. This is poetic. I mean, there's all these raging things and storms and fire and earthquakes, but it says the Lord was not in them. And then we end up with this still, small voice. See, Elijah couldn't hear the solution until he quieted himself and all the things around him because it was a still, small voice. What was God teaching him here? God's not in the storms of life, in all the loud and desperate circumstances. He is the still, small voice. See, a lot of times we've heard stories, we see a hurricane go through, and we're like, oh, that was God. He was trying to teach someone a lesson. But what does he tell Elijah? Oh, I'm not in that storm. I'm not in that destruction. But guess where he was? Because it says that the Lord was there, but not present in the circumstances. Where was the Lord? With Elijah. Speaking the whole time. What's the lesson? Elijah, there's so much going on around and I have a solution, but you can't even hear me because I'm a still, small voice. See, what we want a lot of times is we're like, God, we want you to thunder through the circumstances and give me the answer. But what I see is a God who says, no, 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 no. You need to quiet yourself. You need to pull yourself away. You need to tune out the negative circumstances because they're screaming in your ears at the top of their lungs right now. But you need to draw away. You need to pull away to me because I'm right here because I want to tell you something. I have the answer. I have the solution. But are you listening? And then Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John, he says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. And I love what he says is he says, listen, my sheep follow me. Why? Because I always go before them. In every situation he goes before you, it means he's there saying, come on right here, snuggle up to me. I'm right here and hear my voice. You know my voice. I remember Reverend Michael Lusk from Lusk World Outreach said when he was overseas, he's a missionary. When he was overseas, he literally saw this in action. He had a shepherd who told him, and he can speak Spanish very fluently. This, this shepherd told me, he says, hey, call out for my sheep. And he told him what to say. And so Michael would call out for the sheep and they didn't move. He said, try it again. He called out for the sheep, said the exact same thing that the shepherd would say, the sheep didn't move. True story. But then the shepherd lifts his voice. He says the same exact thing and the sheep immediately start to move. See, that's why Jesus used this analogy. He just used whatever was around him. People in this time in the first century would have understood that sheep listen to the shepherd. And he's saying, I'm the good shepherd. You hear my voice because you're my sheep. It was just an analogy, but isn't that beautiful? But here's the thing, it's a still, small voice. So what voices are you listening to? Let me add that aren't part of the solution. Voices other than the spirit, because someone is always trying to voice their opinion into your life. Have you ever experienced this? Sometimes we need to get away, pull away and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And sometimes our prayers should simply be something like this. You take it 
and then we be quiet. It's hard to do. My personality is, okay, I've got a 10-point checklist of how we're going we're gonna to make this better right now. Let's do it. But it doesn't always work. So maybe, maybe a better choice sometimes is to just get quiet, put the lists away, close my lips, and say, I need to hear direction, Holy Spirit. And I believe he still speaks today. So it's important, number one, that we do what? We admit that we're stuck. Number two, we're open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And number three, this is a big one, make a change. Now I put this as number three on purpose because I think until we can admit that we're stuck and until we hear the voice of the Spirit, we need to be careful not to just launch out. Because there's times where I've even admitted, okay, I'm wrong and I got a plan and I just launch out. But see, that's why it's important to hear his voice, whether that be something you hear you know, in your spirit, whether it be something that he shows you, a revelation in the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will utilize and use whomever, whatever he can to speak to you. But the point is, are we open and are we listening? But we got to listen to the Holy Spirit before we make a change. So make a change, number three. So what do we do? We admit we're stuck, which by the way, takes faith, right? It takes trust. Listen for the voice of the Spirit. And then we make a change to move us out of the ruts of life. We could say like this, help me with my unbelief. I need help in this area, Lord. How many know the definition of insanity? We've heard it a million times. It's doing the same thing and expecting different results. And then we wonder why. So are we listening? Do something different. If you're feeling stuck in a rut today, it may be because you are trying to live off of yesterday's Bread. This is why it's so important to hear the voice of the Spirit. If you're not familiar, there's a story in the Old Testament uh, where Moses, he leads the children out of Egypt. They're traveling 40 years in the wilderness. But it said that they were hungry. Imagine that, 40 years and you get hungry. But it said that God provided them manna. The, the word manna literally means, what is it? They woke up one morning and looked out and all over the ground there was manna. There was bread. And they just went, what is it? So a God named manna. And so every day they had this portion, but what they said is grab your portion, what you need for the day, and nothing more. See, I think there's something we can learn from this, that every day or in every season, God may have spoken a word to us that works for them, but guess what? We're on a journey and we keep moving. So maybe we're living off yesterday's bread, and the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 there's bread for today, and there's bread for tomorrow and the day after. But it comes down to this, are we listening? So we admit that we're stuck. We're open to hear the Spirit's voice. And then after we hear his voice, what do we do? We make a change. We do something different. I wrote this down. Ruts develop from going over the same path again and again and again. See, sometimes that's what happens. I mean, that's literally how a rut is formed, right? But in our own life, if we're going through that same area over and over and over, we've got to remember something that a journey is meant to be traveled. Now, there's times where you set up camp and you hang out for a while, but guess what? Then you move on, right? That's the picture of life. So if we stay in the same area over and over and over and over, and you're feeling like that, it develops a rut, and then you get stuck in that rut, and you wonder why things haven't changed or things aren't different. Are you hearing me this morning? So if you're in an area where you feel stuck, first admit it. But after you admit that, say, Holy Spirit, what is the answer? What is the solution? And then when he starts to give you that answer, step out, make a change. I want to wrap up in Romans chapter 12, 
verses one through two, very famous scripture. I love this here in the Message Bible. Eugene Peterson puts it beautifully. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, I love that part. Take your everyday ordinary life, listen to this, you're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. In other words, what you do every day, how you do every day, I want you to take that and place it before God as an offering. I love that. It's saying, God, here's my life. Is there anything in there? Maybe show me. Have you ever, like, this is so easy to do, right? Because we're on the outside looking into people's lives sometimes. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, that person really needs to change this about themselves, but they don't even see it? See, this is what's beautiful about laying your life out before as an offering before the Lord. You can say, hey, Lord, is there anything in here? Spirit, is there anything to speak to me? Is there something that I'm missing? This should be like a, a popular prayer for us, right? Is there something I'm missing here? Because he'll show you, he'll identify those issues in order to bring healing and restoration, right? Not guilt and shame, big difference. And so we offered as an offering, he says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And look at this, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. This is hearing his voice and then moving on it, right? He says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. We talked about last week that God desires to bear fruit in our lives. And when we bear fruit, what does it show? It shows maturity. It shows growth. So I want you to leave here today with this. First of all, don't be so embarrassed of your stuckness. If that's even a word. We've got to look that one up too probably. But don't be embarrassed of your stuckness. Because all of us are stuck. Don't be so afraid to admit when you're stuck. And then be open to hear the voice of the Spirit concerning that situation that you're stuck in. And last but certainly not least, make a change. What is it the Holy Spirit is saying for you to do in that specific situation? What can you do different today to take a different path based on what the Spirit has told you? Amen. This is the beginning, I believe, of becoming unstuck in your faith, unstuck in your trust for your Heavenly Father. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.